Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University, the university where you learn everything going on in the world of pop culture and see what life lessons you can get from it for your own life, because they're not just celebrities, they're you and me, and it's not just pop culture, it's our culture. If it's your first time here, thank you so much for coming. Take a seat in the classroom wherever you would like. Everyone is welcome here, even the bisexuals, especially the bisexuals, and Bisexual people who think I'm biphobic, I say that to tease you. I love the bisexuals, but I know you guys are like the tortured middle children of the LGBT. So I just say that to get on your nerves. But everyone is welcome here. Love all of you guys. We have an action-packed show for you guys today. Happy Halloween, by the way. I'm not dressed up because um, Halloween is the devil's holiday. Duh. And I don't support that. No, I'm just kidding. But someone I'm very close to worked at a Catholic school where they were not allowed to celebrate Halloween. And even if you did in the slightest, you were condemned to eternity of burning in hell. They also didn't allow the kids to drink milk because they said it would turn them all gay. That was real. I drank a lot of milk growing up and look how I turned out. Super gay. So my case study isn't helping the cause. Maybe the Catholic school is right, but I hope you have an amazing Halloween. Be safe. Um, There's a lot of scary real life things that can happen on Halloween involving alcohol and substances and drunk driving. So just be safe, stay in a group, get an Uber, make sure you're using all your resources to have a safe night because nothing is scarier than Halloween not ending in a fun, spooky way. If you know what I'm saying. Okay. So all my students, please be safe out there. Anyway, we have an action packed show for you today. Unfortunately, we need to start with the tragic passing of Matthew Perry. All the details about the day where he died. And a strange conspiracy theory that a lot of people keep asking me to talk about. People are like begging me to talk about a conspiracy about his death that has to do with cranberries and Batman. So we're going to get into that. Then we need to talk about Taylor Swift releasing 1989 Taylor's version, her becoming a billionaire, her absolutely dragging Harry Styles on this new album. And you guys, it's insane. The amount of context we got about Taylor and Harry's relationship. I'm so excited for that segment. And then we need to end with trigger warning, Eugenia Cooney, because everyone thinks she does not have a very long time to live if she continues down the path that she's on. I never like talking about her. This is the only time I will, but we need to get into that today. Before we start, though, make sure to rate this podcast five star on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Um, make sure to subscribe to it on the audio version, but you should also come to the YouTube version on the Petty Pop Culture YouTube channel. Like, leave a comment, and it helps the algorithm so much, and I'd be so appreciative. So without further ado, students face forward, get in your seats, because Pop Culture University is beginning. Okay, you guys, so for the bell ringer today, I really want to talk about how Kourtney Kardashian, her baby is due today on Halloween, but we weren't supposed to know that information. Travis Barker, who is just giving like golden retriever husband, he's so innocent, he's so sweet, but with that comes the excitement and enthusiasm with um, him having a new child and not understanding the Kardashian PR plan where you don't leak anything to the press or Kris Jenner will literally end your life, slip something in your coffee, and you will never be heard from again. Travis Barker went on a podcast with his friend talking about Blink-182, and he accidentally revealed that the baby's due date is today, and that the baby's name is going to be Rocky 13 Barker. Rocky 13 Barker. He then said, my baby's going to come out of my wife's vagina doing front kicks and push-ups. I mean, 
Rocky is not the worst name that I could think of. I actually think that's super, super cute. It's kind of giving dog name, maybe something that you would name your dog. But given the insane Kardashian's name, the Kardashian kid's name that we've had before, like North or Chicago or Rain, this is a pretty tame name. Now Courtney's kids will be Mason, Penelope, Rain, and Rocky. If I were Mason and Penelope, I would be pissed that I have the most boring plain Jane name while the third kid in the lineup is called Rain and then the fourth kid is named Rocky. I would be very jealous. I feel like Mason came before a time when they were astronomically famous, so he was just given kind of like a peasantry name, but Rain was birthed at the peak of their fame. Courtney yanked him out of her vag by herself, and you know she loves doing that on the show for their 20 million fans to see. So I'm happy Courtney's going to get that moment again today where she like fully grabs the baby like the doctor is supposed to do and just yanks it out of herself. And you know, Kris Jenner will be right there with a massive HD Hulu camera getting a close-up shot of Courtney's vag saying, you're doing amazing, sweetie. So Courtney, thank God your pregnancy went well. Um, everyone was aware that her pregnancy was high risk. They were in and out of the hospital making sure their baby was safe, but it seems like everything's going amazing. Travis is excited and I'm excited for Courtney that she is finally going to get another baby because all that she wanted was another baby. That's literally all she would talk about on the show. There's nothing more than she loves being a mom and me and that baby are going to wear the same costume for Halloween, AKA our birthday suits. So good luck to the Barker family. I love you all. I was actually Travis Barker for Halloween two years ago, and I wanted to do him again this year. I love putting fake tattoos on my body. It makes me feel like just a rocker. It makes me feel like a rocker's wife. And Travis Barker, low key to me, is like so hot. When people are like, Travis Barker's so ugly, their kid is not gonna be cute. I'm like, what are you talking about? Travis Barker is hotter than Scott Disick, in my opinion. Controversial take. Students, let me know if you agree who's hotter, Travis or Scott. Can I talk to you guys about something? Speaking of Halloween and like going on dates, so, or like men, but like I, I, I went on a date with a man who was very attractive, gorgeous this weekend, but we went to a haunted house. Now, when this date started, we were just texting, hey, what should we do? Let's just have a fun night together. We have only talked like for two weeks, maybe. He came up to me at the gym. It was super sweet. Um... I really like him. He's Armenian. He's an Armenian lawyer like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> so he's exactly my type. And is this seat heated? Oh my God, it's getting so hot. Is it? I have to yeah. It's like, it's like nice though. It feels like a car seat when it's heated. This is great. But um, so I was texting him and wanting to make plans with him for Halloween. And he's like, let's just do something chill tonight. I've had a long day being a lawyer, fighting the Republicans. I don't want to do anything too arduous. And it was like, totally. Since it's Halloween, let's go to Spirit Halloween, search for a costume, go back to someone's place, watch Casper the Friendly Ghost or something. He goes, oh, okay, maybe. But speaking of Halloween, how about we do the 17th door? I didn't know what the 17th door was. I thought the 17th door was a nice little festive pumpkin patch. You can shop and buy apple pie and pumpkin bread and maybe pick some apples while someone performs for you. No, it was an intense haunted house that was a resemblance of the Seven Rings of Hell. When I tell you the 17th door was the scariest haunted house I've ever been to in my life, I'm not lying at all. So in this haunted house, 
called the 17th door. They can touch you. And I unknowingly showed up to the scariest haunted house of my life. And I had to sign a waiver that said, if I die, it's fine. We can touch you. Um, we can really do whatever we want to you. You're our bitch when you enter this haunted house. Now, I was under the impression that touching meant like they're going to come up behind you in the haunted house and tap you on the shoulder and go, boo. And you get spooked like, ah, no. When I when they can touch you in this haunted house, this is what they did. They grabbed you by the neck and shoved you like a footballer wherever they wanted you to go in this haunted house. They were toying me around like I was a fucking rag doll. Like, I'm not going to say like, like it was just physical as fuck. It was a contact physical sport in that haunted house. And so there was 17 doors and each door got scarier and scarier. I truly did not realize how awful this was going to be. By the second room, they cut off a piece of my hair. It was the barber's room. They shaved um, a number 17 into the guy I was with the back of his head because they're allowed to touch you. They're allowed to do whatever they want. They signed the waiver. There's a sign on the door that says, if you enter the barber's room, he's going to cut your hair. He comes up to me, grabs my hair in the front. And if you guys know, like, you know how sensitive I am about my hair. I'm on all these drugs to keep my hair. I get 700 dollar shots in my head to keep my hair so when he goes for the top i'm like no 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 and i, I just just to like satisfy him i'm just just take a piece of the back of my hair please don't come the front he's like let me take one curl and i'm like no, what do you mean one curl i only have seven you you can't take one of seven so he cuts the back of my hair the haunted house only gets worse. Then in the next room, they pour freezing cold water on you while spraying cryogenically freezing air like on your body. You are freezing as if you're about to turn to ice. There's another room where they pick up live bugs and put them into your pockets and put them on you. Live bugs. And after my whole incident with bugs in my apartment, this just hit too close to home. I was literally like shaking, screaming, crying, throwing up. When the freak in the pig's mask was putting bugs in my pockets, I was just like, ah, like smashing my pockets the second he put them in there because there's these live, huge cockroach looking bugs that he's just putting in my pocket. I was honestly, I've never really experienced like the, a true feeling of fear in a haunted house until this one. Then in between rooms, they would like, cattle prod you into the next room, like shock you into the next room. If shoving you wasn't enough, they took like an electrically charged, um, like, like prod. And it felt like it had metal clamps on it, like tongs. And since I somehow ended up at the back of the line, they like grabbed my ass with it and shocked me with, I swear, 3000 megawatts of electricity. And it hurt so bad. I thought he burned a hole in my pants. Like, like I was given death by electrocution or something. It was terrifying. This haunted house really pushed it as far as it could go without it being a lawsuit or something, if that makes sense. Like they pushed it as absolutely far as they can go. I'm trying to think of what else happened. They like let people shoot you with ping pong balls. Um... Oh my God, there were in, in, in the room where you just kept being shocked, there was this girl with 
these like magnets that would light up and spark. And she kept staring at me the whole time. And she can tell I was so scared. I was drenched, soaking wet this time at this point, dead bugs in my pockets. And right after I left the room, after this lady is staring at me, just loving watching me tremble and be like a puddle in her hands. She looks at me and goes, this isn't the university anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, she knows me from TikTok or maybe she's a podcast listener or something. But I was like, damn, she just got a front row seat to Professor Patty trembling in her hands. So if you live in the LA area and you are a huge fan of haunted houses and you love them and you love being scared to death, go to the 17th door. I will say it was very well done. It was high budget. It was just not for me. I do not like that intense, um, you know, bring me to the brink of death and right before I die, resuscitate me type shit. Like I'm not a Halloween gooner. I'm, I'm not about it. So if you just like a fun, casual Halloween date, don't go to this haunted house. If you can't take the heat, don't go. It's not fun. It's scary. You'll only leave traumatized. On the way back, my date, who was like definitely more brave and into it, even he was silent. We just had to like sit for 10 minutes in the car, like processing what the fuck just happened to us. But it was actually so cool. Like the last room is very high budget. They filled it with like you you stand in this like eight by 10 room. Then they filled a whole room with um, like black ball pit balls over your head. So it's like you're like suffocating in black ball pit. It's it's actually very cool, but you will be physically harmed. Just saying. Maybe in the best way. Maybe you like that. But what's even scarier than that haunted house is the fact that tomorrow people are going to start celebrating Christmas. To me, if you start celebrating Christmas on November 1st, you're insane. You're batshit crazy. And I just, I don't, I don't really think there's a place for you in society. I understand that Mariah Carey, like she needs to keep um, the checks rolling in. She needs to keep the wheels turning on her career. She really needs to capitalize on these two months. But think about it celebrating Christmas, November 1st to the end of December, that's two months of the year. To me, I'm so sick of Christmas. It's so irritating to me. I feel like every year when Christmas comes around, I'm like, we just celebrated Christmas. I just heard all these songs. I haven't got enough of a break for it to be special. Everyone's like, Christmas only comes once a year. Okay, but it's one-sixth of the whole year. Put that into perspective. By the time you're 60, you've celebrated Christmas for 10 years of your life. If you celebrate it for two months every year, that's insane. That's not healthy. And someone should check you into a mental facility. I really think we should only, I think the solution to the Christmas epidemic is that let's celebrate Christmas for two weeks from December 15th to the end of the year, or let's celebrate it every other year. I, I think that's the only logical solution here. All right, students, so the first main segment I want to get in today, it's super, super tragic. I'm sure you've heard about it, is the passing of Matthew Perry. He was an iconic um, sitcom star, definitely a household name. I feel like no show other than Friends was welcomed into Americans' households as much. I think even to this day, it's when it's still like ranking as one of the most frequently watched shows. 
it's iconic. We we could say whatever we want about Friends. It's that girl. It's that show. And Matthew Perry was a massive part of that. He was one sixth of the amigos. He played Chandler Bing. I always loved Chandler on the show. I feel like he maybe had just that sense of humor and that charisma that really got me when I would watch. And I would always look forward to his parts of the show. I just think Matthew Perry was a comedic genius and he really made that role his own. I was watching some interviews with him and I love when screenwriters and like directors will ask the actor about themselves and then incorporate parts of the actor's lives into the character, especially for comedians, because that just lets them run wild with the character and really make it half them, half fiction. And no one could really make a role their own like Matthew did with Chandler on Friends. So he will be dearly missed. That is an understatement. So he died this Saturday at 54 years old. I was at the gym when that happened and my stepdad, he was like on top of the news. Two minutes after it was announced to the world, my stepdad sent me his text and he was like, did you see Matthew Perry died? I was like, no, I'm surprised I didn't see that. He was like, it just happened. I was at the gym. I like had one more thing I wanted to do, but I was like, I just left. I made the, the video immediately. It was so eerie too because Matthew, he died in the his home in like near the Hollywood Hills. So, and I live right next to there. So I was like, whoa, he like just died and I can like see the area where he lives. And I just thought that was so eerie and so sad. So officials received a medical call from Matthew Perry's home at about 4 p.m. on Saturday. And they found the actor in a hot tub in his house, not breathing. So basically what happened that day is Matthew Perry, he got up. It was a totally normal Saturday. He went to play pickleball with his friends. He was like healthy. He was active. I feel like pickleball is this huge craze. Um, I I would say for for middle-aged folks, but I think people on TikTok got offended when I said people Matthew Perry's age enjoy playing pickleball. That was only out of like love and respect. I have all my aunts and uncles play pickleball. They're in a pickleball league. My friends' parents play pickleball. I think it's just a commonly enjoyed thing. And I only called out the age of the people who do so because I was equating everyone's health to being on the same level as Matthew's. So that's why it was shocking that he died. Some things, I don't know. Some people are just so sensitive and easily triggered online and want to be offended by everything. And then it's like you have to take a second and spell out to them step for step why you said what you said in a completely not offensive way. And I don't have time to spell things out for people. So next time, I'm just not going to explain myself. But yeah, so he came back from playing pickleball and his assistant was at his house and he asked his assistant to go do some errands for him. So wherever the assistant went for hours, came home, found Matthew Perry in his jacuzzi, submerged in the water dead. He was deceased by the time the paramedics arrived on the scene. To me, that's very confusing. And I'm like, I wonder if he, if Matthew Perry could sense he was about to die. And he was like, I want to die alone. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm like thinking too much into it, but you know, when dogs die and they like run out to the forest so they can like die alone. I'm like, I wonder if he sent his assistant away because he just felt weird. He just felt bad. There were reports that he was feeling fatigued that day. And when the assistant called the ambulance, it was apparently for him having cardiac arrest. And I know before people have heart issues, you like, you know, all the telltale signs that we hear about in school, like your arm will go numb. You'll feel like you uh, like you'll run out of breath super easily no matter what you're doing. 
So maybe he was experiencing those symptoms and he was like, I just need to be alone in this moment. But the paramedic said that an adult male patient was deceased prior to the response arrival. The patient was found by a bystander who had repositioned the victim where the head was out of the water. Firefighters pulled the victim out of the jacuzzi, did a quick medical assessment to find he was already deceased. Matthew Perry's jacuzzi was huge, by the way. I don't know if you saw the photos of his pool, but I'm like, damn, the jacuzzi needs a lifeguard. It was massive. Like, his jacuzzi wasn't the shallow end. It was the deep end. So they did the autopsy, and they found out that no foul play was suspected. I wish I could give you a more definitive answer even after they completed the autopsy as to did he drown? Did he have cardiac arrest? Or like which like which happened first? Because um, some people are suspecting, you know, maybe he was using again and that caused him to pass out, drown in the pool. And that's what happened first. Or maybe he had cardiac arrest and lost control of his body, passed out, fainted, then drown. We don't know. And I'm sure the autopsy after it was completed, they know the answer to that, but they're not going to reveal it until the toxicology report comes out. Now, if you're wondering, well, why would they even suspect he's on something, Patty? Why are you assuming that? Not everyone in Hollywood is like that. Unfortunately, Matthew Perry has a very, very long history of addiction. Um, so the creator friend said, Matthew suffered mightily behind the scenes, notably from his addiction to drugs and alcohol, painkillers specifically. He was hooked on Vicodin for years and even well on Friends. He had been in and out of rehab many, many times. He was in a coma before in rehab 15 times. Apparently, Matthew would say when he would watch the show back from season to season, he could tell which drug he was on. What a weird thing to like a like a weird time capsule to have of yourself looking back on each season of your show and being able to tell what each drug is doing to your body he said he was never really able to watch friends and i completely understand i can't even watch a video that i posted three days ago because i'm like oh my god that's so cringy and embarrassing that's what i always tell my friends like don't show me a video don't don't send me snap memories oh my god don't send me snap memories from over three days ago because i will get triggered i'll be embarrassed it has to be my recent memory or I will get upset and not be able to watch it. So I understand how Matthew didn't really want to watch any of the friends episodes back, but he said he would never ever watch them. What's shocking is we last year before Matthew died, he said, if I died, people would be shocked, but not surprised. He really said that about himself. What an introspective quote to say about your own death, especially the year before he died. And it's sad because I think a lot of people did have that reaction. A lot of people were shocked. Of course, it's insanely shocking when you get the notification or someone tells you one of your favorite beloved actors and characters have died. But at the same time, I think a lot of people weren't surprised. They saw this coming just because he's been so open about his struggles. Last year, he wrote a memoir called Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. And it's about his life and the ups and downs, but it's a big focus on his struggle with addiction. That's what the big, terrible thing is. And it's so eerie that in 2022, he released the book of his life the year before he died. I think having a memoir is so fierce and so cool. I want one. Like, that's so cool because, like, yes, we will all die at some point, but at least your whole thoughts and anything important, monumentous in your life that you think someone else would like to learn from or just know about you is in a book. Like, wouldn't that be so cool if your grandma or grandpa had a book of their life and you can just read it 
thoughts directly from them. Like Britney has one. Matthew Perry just released one. John Stamos just put out one this week too. So it's like, oh my God, even if no one buys my memoir, like no one bought Jimmy Lynn Spears memoir, I should really just write one. It'd be so boring. I'd be like, I enjoyed making peanut butter and jellies and making TikToks. But (laughs) I don't know. I think it'd be just fun to have one. He said in this memoir talking about his struggles, his comas and rehabs that, yes, it's very vulnerable putting this all out into the world, but he just wanted to make sure he did something to help people before he left. And he wants to be remembered first for his impact he had on others suffering with addiction and not friends first. He thinks that's the most important work he's ever done. Um, I couldn't agree more. And he said that immediately after the book's release, hundreds of people said, probably more than hundreds at this point, because it's been out for like a year, has said that they checked into rehab immediately because its words were so profound and so powerful. And he just under, like, of, of course, reading the words of someone who suffered with addiction and then got to the other side, those are probably the biggest account and most profound story you can have that would inspire you if you're going through that to seek treatment yourself. So shout out to Matthew Perry for literally changing the lives of thousands of people before he left. Now let's talk about this whole conspiracy theory about Batman and cranberries because people are theorizing he knew he was about to die. And since I keep talking about this, I kind of am putting the puzzle pieces together in my mind because like, hmm, he wrote a memoir about his life the year before he died. And he said, I just wanted to do something to help people before he left as if he knew he was about to die. And then that brings me to his Instagram. His last Instagram post is going so viral right now because people just think he knew this was coming. His last Instagram post was him in a hot tub, this, um, uh, pres- presumptually not 100% confirmed, the hot tub that he died in. And the caption was, oh, so warm water swirling around makes you feel good. I'm Matt Man. And in his previous like six posts, that he's been spamming Instagram with this month were all about how he is Matman, along with photos of the Batman symbol. It's odd because he took a long break from social media before he started spamming this week and then just had this eerie series of posts. So his one in October is him and his dad, and he just says, here is me and my father John both holding a beverage. And it's just them together holding a beverage. That's such a weird like dad post. And Matthew Perry is like that dad age. So I kind of just like chalked it off to that. But in my head, I'm like, you know how people take photos with your loved one before they die? Because everyone's like, oh, you should get a last photo. I'm like, do you think he was taking a photo with his dad because he knew something was coming? And then he just kept posting about Batman, but also calling himself Matt Man. He goes, no need to worry, everybody. I got the streets tonight, and it's a photo of a Batman poster. His next one said, sleep well, everyone. I've got the city tonight. Batman. There's a sign that says, Batman plays pickleball. And we know he died right after playing pickleball, and that was one of his last posts. Then his post after that is him. This is so eerie and creepy, this post. People were saying this video is going to being conspiracy theory videos one day and look fast forward three days later, I'm making a conspiracy theory video about it. It's just him putting three cranberries on a table. That's it. That's the video. His fingers just put the cranberries on the table. 
if that's not some foreshadowing, eerie conspiracy shit, I don't know what is. Like, this is the video that conspiracy theories are made of. The post after that is him recording the moon, and it just says, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I'm Matman. Like, we get it. Matthew, you're Matman. We love that. Like, we will call you Matman, but we don't know what you're trying to tell us. And then his last post was, oh, so warm water swirling around makes you feel so good. I'm Matman. People were putting all this together. He loves Batman. Yes, that's a very known fact about him. But the last chapter of his memoir, a.k.a. the story of his life, is called Batman because he compares his struggle with addiction to that of Batman, to the story of Batman. He said his addiction would make him live alone in his Batcave a lot of the time. Um, He feels like he's Batman because he's overcome, he's conquered, he saved himself, and now he's saving others who go through addiction. And I think that's awesome. I think that's super inspiring. And he's definitely earned the title of Matt Man. But some people are wondering, did he keep calling himself Matt Man because he knew this was like the last chapter of his life, just like the last chapter of his book? There was a lie going around online that he wrote in his book, if I ever need help with my addiction and I want to send out a sign, I'll put the bat symbol or I'll send out the bat signal. That He, he didn't say that in his book. A lot of people were just saying that. He said, if I ever need help, what he'll really say to us is, I just want to be alone and by myself in my house right now. I don't want to go out. I don't want to be by anyone. He said, that's the sign that something isn't going well. Batman was always a good sign to him. But I do agree with the theory. Maybe this was him like coming to a close on his life and posting about Batman. And just the eerie caption, do you know what I'm trying to tell you? Do you understand That is so eerie. That is so conspiracy worthy. And I could see the BBC documentary about it right now. Also, the fact that he mentioned the pickleball and cranberries, like, it's it's weird that he posted about the pickleball then died after playing pickleball. The cranberries, there's a band called the cranberries where the lead singer died in a bathtub by drowning and it's like he knew that was coming for him or he knew maybe he wanted to die in his jacuzzi I don't know but people were like he was foreshadowing dying in some sort of like bathtub jacuzzi-esque thing and then the video of the moon he died on October 28th when there's a full moon so it's like wow he was telling us when where how And then the last photo was him in the jacuzzi. And that was like, that was the setting of where I was going to die. So maybe he knew that was coming. I don't know. Maybe his doctor told him some impending bad news. It it all just makes me scared for him in a way. Also, do you guys realize that celebrities always have some eerie last Instagram post before they die? That scares me so much. Remember Tentacion? I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but his last post was like, you know, if I die soon, this will be my legacy, blah, 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 blah. And then he like died the next day. It's like, whoa, he foreshadowed his own death. How do celebrities know? Did they sell their soul to the devil? Did they know something was about to happen to them? Because like normal people don't just die in their jacuzzi in their backyard. Like that's a a celebrity thing. 
in your Pacific Palisades home. It's just giving Illuminati conspiracy. Not to make his death about that, but y'all were begging me to talk about this. So don't come for me in the comments, okay? You're welcome for talking about this. Want this to get crazier, students? Do you want it to get crazier? In his Diancer interview the year before he died, he said that he prayed to be famous. All he wanted to be famous. And he would say prayers to God like, God, do whatever you want with me, but please make me famous. Whoa. So it's almost as though that in itself could spark a lot of conversation about did he finally get what he always wanted in exchange for something, in exchange for his soul? And you know those movies where someone sells their soul and then at the end they like get all panicked and nervous because they know they're like time to pay up is coming and then they die? It's like maybe he knew that was about to happen and it was time to pay up or something. But yeah, he said it was a dark day for him when he realized fame wasn't going to fix what was broken inside of him. Totally. And I feel like addiction only would grow with money and power, obviously because your addiction has the resources to thrive. And with fame, of course, comes a lot of attention, but it comes with so much money that it almost can buy you a lot of like privacy too. And he said, your addiction is just waiting to get you alone so it can basically finish you off. And when it gets you alone, you lose. So him just being in this gorgeous house overlooking the Pacific Ocean and, you know, he died alone. She's like, damn, that's it's I'm kind of hoping like the toxicology reports come back negative, of course, because you don't want the story of someone who's suffered through that to end that way. Not saying like, you know, I'm hoping they come back with cardiac arrest. And that was the reason I'm not hoping for anything. I think it's tragic no matter what, but we definitely don't want that to be the ending for him. Yeah, so just be be careful what you wish for in that aspect, too. He wished to be famous, but it may have made his problems even worse. The fame with friends almost immediately started to consume Matthew and was not good for him. He said that he would show up to the friend set often blindly hungover to the fact that he could barely function. My grandma would always say, you're not an alcoholic until you can't show up to work the next day and get your work done. I don't think that's how that works. I don't think that's the diagnosis there because he clearly was an alcoholic, but he would still show up to work and get his work done. But he would show up blindly hungover. And for years, no one would say anything to him. But one day, Jennifer Aniston called him out on it, not publicly in front of everyone, but behind the scenes, she tried to intervene. She said, write to Matthew, we know you're drinking. And Matthew said, I thought I was hiding it so well. What? give it away. And she goes, we could smell it on you. So the whole cast tried to intervene, uplift him. And in, in the end, it definitely did help him get sober. As far as we know, he was sober in the end. Um, Lisa Kudrow said through all that, he was still the best, most amazing person on set and would make everyone smile and make sure everyone's okay, make them laugh, make them happy. But it's usually the people like that who are struggling but anyway, what can we learn from this? I think what we can learn that Matthew said in his book, something we can take from it that he said he wants to be rem remembered from, is that alone, addiction or really any problem is too much to bear. 
but together we can overcome and defeat anything. He was talking about how when addiction gets you alone, that's when it will turn bad. He has this excerpt in his, his he has this excerpt in his book where he says, "In nature, when a penguin is hurt, its fellow penguins will rally around it to help it get back on its feet." That's what the Friends cast did for me. So I thought that was super cute that he had that support system that made sure he was not alone in his struggles. And I think that can help us learn to be there for each other, be there for your friends, and let them be there for you too. Some people don't like to accept the help or they want to be alone in their struggles. But like Matthew said, together we can overcome anything. And I don't want to get all cringy and sing the Friends theme song. But I'll be there for you because you're there for me, too. It's just cute. And they really all uh, were there for him in the end. They put out a statement, um, the Friends cast. It was it was very um, general for now. I'm sure they're honestly just in so much shock because this was like their brother. They said, we are also utterly devastated by the loss of Matthew. We were more than just castmates. We were a family. There is so much to say, but right now we're going to take a moment to grieve and process this unfathomable loss. In time, we will say more as and when we are able to. For now, our thoughts and our love are with Maddie's family, his friends, and everyone who loved him around the world. And people were like going to the Friends building in New York and paying their respects. So rest in peace, Matthew Perry. We love you and thank you for everything. Oh my god, did you guys see this weekend that at a hockey game, the, the hockey player that died like on the ice, it was honestly the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. I just, I saw it on a TikToker's page. His name was Adam Johnson. He was 29. So young, obviously a promising, super successful man for his age, worked his whole life to become an NHL player. And then he was overseas, like, doing something for the NHL, some, like, international thing just for a moment. I don't really know how the NHL works at all. Sorry. I am from Chicago, though, and, like, when I grew up, I was always in, I was, like, in that time period when the Blackhawks kept winning. So I actually did watch hockey sometimes. And it's so fun. Like it's so fast paced. It's so intense. And then, and then they like, will take off their helmets and just start fist fighting. It's like a variety show. Watching hockey is so fun. Like there's always something going on, but it is probably like one of the most like intense sports. I can never play hockey. I didn't even want to try growing up. Cause I'm like, no, mm -mm, not for me. I'm not about that apple scrapple life. But this weekend, Adam Johnson he was playing a game, and honestly, it seemed like the most innocent of collisions between him and an opponent. They they hit each other so fast going for the puck, and something happened where the blade of the ice skate of the 
of Adam's opponent hit his throat and slit his throat on the ice in front of everyone. And they stopped the game immediately. They ended the game. They suspended the game. They did not finish the game because he fell on the floor in the video, which I won't show out of respect. But and I, I, mean, I mean, I saw it on Twitter like immediately when I searched his name, but I noticed they were starting to like take it down from a lot of posts. But I saw it right before they did. And the ice just immediately was like covered in blood. Like it was like spewing blood, giant red puddles. And then it seemed like he could barely even like ice skate off of the ice. And he was just like holding his neck like down, like staring at the ice as he got off of it. And then apparently he died like shortly after arriving at the hospital. But it was the scariest, most awful, tragic thing. And it really just puts into perspective like the the fragility of life because I'm, I'm sure Adam was just like, you know, thinking he's going to go home and eat dinner and thinking what he'll do for dinner, what he's doing for Halloween and the next week. And then all of that is over in the most momentary, like innocent collision ever. And I'm sure this will change the hockey world forever. And they have so much padding, but I'm sure they'll add more to the neck area. I would always think that though, like those, those ice skates are like knives, like, that's just very, very scary. So, <clears throat> but what a sad way to go. Cause he was, was probably so confused in that moment. Cause one moment you're like alive and fine. And then the next, like you're losing all your blood and you can't even speak. You can't even say bye to anyone. Cause like you can't talk like, Oh, I could like cry just thinking about it, but rest in peace to Adam Johnson. All right, students on to something more lighthearted, happy, a lot of, tragedy going on in the world everywhere this week um this month this year or it's it's, a, it's honestly just just like a constant thing in the world like terrible things going on and last week i don't know if you saw my tiktok but i was like i'm i'm gonna take you know a few days off of posting just out of respect paying my respects to give attention to what's going on in the world and things of that nature. But a lot of people were like, no, Patty, please keep posting. We need something positive, something lighthearted and escapism to just remind us that there's fun and happy things going on in life. And even though I do like talking about the fun, lighthearted, happy things, I don't know, all the tragedy going on in the world this week is just really sometimes like too depressing to bear. But in the honor of staying positive and being happy. Let's talk about the woman who's making us all happy all year. And that is Taylor Swift. Cause it's truly her world and we are just living in it. I am a avid raging Swifty. I am a adoring subject of Taylor Swift. I am her peasant. I am her plebeian. I love her. So Taylor Swift just became a billionaire. She's a bisexual billionaire. Can you believe that? Her net worth is now estimated to be $1.1 billion. And I know it's eat the rich, but Taylor ate. Taylor ate. We can talk about eating the rich while she's eating up literally everything. Like, there's nothing we can do to stop her in her path. She is truly the monster on the hill. Too big to hang out. Slowly lurching towards your favorite city. Pierced through the heart, but never killed. She is monstrously sized famous 
it's so insane right now because she has the number one movie, number one song, and the number one album. Can we just take that in? She's so powerful. I'm so afraid of her. I'm literally terrified of her because of the power she has amassed. Like, is there a checks and balances system in play here with celebrities to stop one of them from getting too much power? At this point, I think she could win the presidential election. She could win the world election she basically has. Like, she's won the people's vote. And my thesis statement that I put out, like, five months ago that she is Michael Jackson level famous is just proven right every single day. So you're welcome for that. And you're welcome for being the first one to say it. So now all of you guys can say it. Um, I took all the heat and the hate for it and everyone outraged on Twitter and their pitchforks and telling me to go jump off of a really tall something. You're welcome. But um, she is a billionaire now because of the Eras Tour movie, of course, and because 1989 Taylor's version just dropped this week. 1989, it's so insane because I was 14 when that dropped and now... I'm 23 when the new version dropped in. I'm loving like the re-record era because I just understand the songs more deeply, which is a bad thing because they're all about heartbreak and like self-loathing and like all the uncomfortable, unpleasant feelings of life. But it's like, wow, like she really is my therapist in that way. But the song, the album is going to do more than 1.2 million in its first week of sales. Your favorite couldn't even dream of doing 1.2 million albums in their whole career. The fact that she's doing that first week of sales for a, for a bunch of songs that already came out. Like, what game is she playing here? It's, it's, it's almost like she's making it look too easy. She is such an icon, such a legend. She has us foaming at the mouth, like rapidly consuming this music that we already know what's going to happen. Like, would we watch a movie that we, like in theaters that we already know exactly what's going to happen this avidly? Probably if Taylor Swift was involved. Um, it's it's going to exceed the original 1989 era, which was like a juggernaut, a pop classic, the second it came out. So the fact that she's out selling it, I would have never been able to predict that that was going to happen. The album already has 1 billion streams on Spotify in three days. 1 billion streams on Spotify in three days. To put that into perspective, Katy Perry's last album, I think is like still struggling to get like 300 million streams in total. 1 billion streams in three days. What the fuck? That's insane. That's like everyone on earth. Like streamed her, her with the, has been streaming her album nonstop. Like I said, I'm afraid of her. It's it's too much power. Do you know who else is afraid of her? Selena Gomez, because Selena Gomez says that Taylor Swift. Oh, uh, uh, allegedly, allegedly. But I believe it because we know Selena Gomez be be talking out of both ends of her mouth, be saying some wild shit. The only thing that could have made the, the 17th door haunted house scarier is if Selena Gomez was in there. Oh, girl, I would have ran for the hills. Selena thinks Taylor and Travis are moving too fast. According to page six, there was sources very close to Selena that says she is worried that Taylor is basically just taking this rendezvous to the next level, um, giving Travis way too much too quickly in terms of fame and exposure and potentially using her and all those things. And Selena just thinks they're moving too fast. Do you know the source for that quote? Haley Bieber. I'm kidding. <laughs> it wasn't Haley. I, I love the responses to this news that was going around. Like everyone on Twitter was just roasting Selena. Selena. They said, someone on Twitter, she wants her best friend to be lo lonely and miserable, just like her. 
I didn't say it. This person said, Taylor's moving on too fast and Selena is not moving on from Justin at all. This person said, maybe she should try moving on too. Now, I'm not going to say they're right, but I'm not going to say they're wrong. Look, I'm trying to work on my relationship with Selena Gomez, but it's she's just turned me into like such a non-believer of the, the Selena message. <clears throat> and honestly, I'm no longer keeping one eye out for Selena. I just, I just don't really care. <clears throat> Apparently the Heim sisters also think Taylor is moving on too fast. Now the Heim sisters to me are like a real cult of witches. Wait, what's, what's, what's the name? They're a coven. I, I mean, they're, they're fierce though. I'm obsessed with them. So I, 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 I wouldn't take what they say lightly. I, I really do like the Heim sisters. I respect them. So everyone thinks she's moving on too fast. Like I said last episode, yes, I think she's moving very quickly as well. The candle that burns twice as bright dies twice as fast. I don't think they're going to be forever. I do think they're an amazing couple. They're an amazing team. It's lustful. It's exciting. It's new. They are the new romantics. But at the same time, <clears throat> I don't think they're going to last forever. But I'm, I'm happy for them. And I am such a fan of Travis and Taylor and him together. I stand them. I want them to have babies. <laughs> I love, sh she should have kids with him. Wait, let's get down to business here. I think Taylor Swift would be a great mom. And even if she's not going to be with Travis forever, she should have kids with him. The babies would be so cute. And everyone being them for Halloween is so hilarious to me. Like everyone is dressing as Taylor Swift with her bangs and her fuck ass Bob in the um, chief's outfit. And then, Travis in his like 1989 paint suit with the mustache. I would never grow a mustache for the sake of a Halloween costume. I'm just saying. I, I don't think mustaches are cute and I'm not going to take any influence from Tom Cruise. All right. So Taylor Swift also wants us to know that she's not bisexual, but we'll talk about that next episode just for the sake of keeping that aura alive and not debunking it for another week. Anyway, okay, so this is a segment that I'm really excited to get into. Harry Styles and Taylor Swift are, I think, like madly in love. And I want to talk about how they never go out of style, how they will get back together one day, and how all the vault tracks on 1989 connect to Harry Styles. So we're just going to go through a journey here. Greetings, loved ones. Let's take a journey. We're going to go on a journey here from how all of Taylor's songs about Harry Styles connect. Everyone thought we were going to get a 1989 Harry Styles feature, but no, we're getting a Harry Styles roast. We kept asking Taylor, please duet with Harry, but Taylor heard destroy Harry. And that's kind of what she did. So if you don't know, Taylor Swift and Harry Styles dated from late 2012 to early 2013-ish. That's around the time that she was crafting 1989. We know that. They got into a famous snowmobile accident uh, right before Christmas in December 2012. This was, I mean, everyone knows gay guys can't drive. And Harry Styles was driving. Not saying he's gay because he's straight. But we know Out of the Woods is about Harry. So let's let's start there. We know Out of the Woods by Taylor Swift is about Harry Styles. That's confirmed because of the lyrics. Also, in this segment, I will be doing a lot of singing. Some people don't like when I sing. They say I'm tone deaf or something. I think I'm amazing and I would give myself the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent. 
She said, remember when you hit the brakes too soon? 20 stitches in the hospital room. When you started crying, baby, I did too. We know that's about hairstyles because that's clearly about the snowmobile accident. I love how Taylor Swift is like, I'll never say who my songs are about. But she'll put such like obvious evidence in there where she doesn't really have to say it. And I love just like the plausible deniability of her not necessarily kissing and telling and like telling the whole world to come for these men. She's like, what? I never said your name, but it's like, you're obviously talking about Harry. And I love that about her. Keep spilling the tea. And she knows we love it. So Taylor, we love you. Thank you. She continues and said, your necklace hanging from my neck. The night we couldn't quite forget when we decided, we decided to move the furniture so we could dance. Baby, like we stood a chance Two paper airplanes flying, flying. So that's just further proof that it's about Harry because there's a lot of photos of them with matching necklaces of two paper airplanes. So your necklace hanging from my neck, two paper airplanes flying. Out of the Woods is about Harry Styles. She said their relationship gave her a lot of anxiety. And the phrase out of the woods is like a phrase for are we in a safe space yet? Can I have peace of mind yet? No, you will always have anxiety and you're not out of the woods yet. So she said their relationship gave her a lot of anxiety. It seemed like they would break up and get back together. There'd be other girlfriends in between. It would drive her kind of crazy. That brings me to style. We know that style is also about Harry Styles because of the lyrics. You got that James Dean daydream look in your eye. And I got that red lip classic thing that you like. When we go crashing down, we come back every time because we never go out of style. We never go out of style. You got that long hair slicked back white t-shirt. That was confirmed to be about Harry and Harry's song, Two Ghost. So now we're bringing in Harry's songs too. Harry really is a good songwriter as well. And I never really dove deep into the lyrics of his songs, but this was just so fascinating to me reading these lyrics from Two Ghost. I think that was on his debut solo album. He said, same lips, red, same eyes, blue, same white shirt, couple more tattoos, but it's not you and it's not me. So he's very clearly referencing style, red lips, white t-shirt, but it's not you this time. And I like how Taylor and Styles is like, we come crashing down, we break up, but we come back every time we get back together. It's this endless cycle. And 1989 Taylor's version just really completed the picture for us because the vault tracks, she like really withheld the tea. I thought the vault tracks would be just so fun and dancey and lighthearted, but like, no, she really held back all the tea on the vault tracks. I think just because she wanted 1989 to be more of like a pop, um, like anthemic, not so brutally autobiographical as the ones before, just very poppy. But on the vault track, Is It Over Now, which I think is my favorite vault track, it's being sent to radio, so it's going to be the single. Is It Over Now, she sings, When You Lost Control, Red Blood, White Snow. When You Lost Control of the Snowmobile, there was red blood on the white snow. Blue Dress on a Boat, Your New Girl is My Clone. There's a photo of Taylor wearing a blue dress in the back of a boat that was so famous right after her Harry Styles breakup, and all the articles that used that photo were like, Taylor Swift looks upset on the back on the, on the back of this boat, fresh off of the Harry Styles breakup. So when it says blue dress on a boat, your new girl is my clone. It's just so funny because I instantly thought of that picture where she just looks like a meme of like, like a 
like a pissed off girl, like in the back of a boat, like turning her head, not having it. She's just pouting so fabulously in the most iconic of ways. And she looks gorgeous. So in Harry Styles song from the dining, from the dining table, is, is that the title from the dining table? He sings, woke up the girl who looked just like you. I almost said your name. Comparative to the line, your new girl is my clone. And we know that right after dating Taylor, he dated 33-year-old model Kimberly Stewart, who has that same blonde hair, the same red lipstick, the same blue eyes. And everyone was like, whoa, Harry's dating Taylor's clone. Then let's go back to Is It Over Now? She said, let's fast forward to 300 awkward blind dates later. If she's got blue eyes, I will surmise that you will probably date her. You dream of my mouth before it called you a lying traitor. You search in every model's bed for something greater, baby. Was it over when she laid down on your couch? Was it over then? And is it over now? Oh my God, I could scream because these lyrics are so interconnected. And then if we go back to Out of the Woods, she says, iconically, about a couch. Looking at it now, it all seems so simple. We were lying on your couch. I remember. I remember. And I love when Taylor Swift releases more songs. It like it's more pieces to the puzzle about her life. Like a, like a new pack was like unlocked in a like a, a video game or something to further the plot and further the story. Like, ooh, a new pack of Taylor Swift songs is unlocked. We get more information. So, and, and it makes other songs clearer as to what they were about. So the line, I remember from Out of the Woods, that's famously about Harry. That's how the song Question dot, 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 dot starts. It starts with the direct sample of, of Out of the Woods, I remember. Why would she sample it unless to send a message about her reflecting on her relationship with Harry Styles? And in Question, she goes, I remember Good girl, sad boy, big city, wrong choices. We had one thing going on. I swear that it was something because I don't remember who I was before you painted all my nights, a color I'd searched for. And out of the woods, she says, the rest of the world was black and white, but we were in screaming color. And then in question, she obviously says, because I don't remember who I was before you painted all my nights, a color I'd searched for since. But one thing after another, fucking situation, circumstances, miscommunications, and I have to say, by the way, I just may like some explanations. Can I ask you a question? You know the question she wanted to ask him? Are we out of the woods yet? Because that song goes back to out of the woods because it samples out of the woods. And in, in question, she says, did you leave her house in the middle of the night? Oh. Do you wish you'd put up more of a fight? Oh, when she said it was too much. Do you wish you could still touch her? It's just a question. In style, that's about Harry Styles. I love how I'm just going back and forth between songs here, connecting them all. When I tell you, I felt like I was Sherlock Holmes. Like I discovered some something here. I was in my room last night screaming. I, I had like a map like on my wall with like red lines connecting like as they do in CSI. I was like, oh my God, like someone give me a Nobel Prize. Okay, when she says, did you leave her house in the middle of the night? Do you wish you'd put up more of a fight? We're unlocking another song here, another Vault song from 1989, when um, the song is called Say Don't Go, which is probably the most emotional and maybe the most Taylor Swift-esque song 
on the album. And Say Don't Go, she says, why'd you whisper in the dark just to leave me in the night? Now your silence has me screaming, screaming. And in questions, she says, did you leave her house in the middle of the night? Do you wish you'd put up more of a fight? When she said it was too much, do you wish you could still touch her? It's just a question. That connects to Out of the Woods because she says, remember when I couldn't take the heat? I walked out and said, I'm setting you free. When questioned, when she says, when when she said it was too much, do you wish you could still touch her? Then we go back to, is it over now? When she goes, your new girl is my clone. And did you think I didn't see you? There were lights flashing. At least I had the decency to keep my nights out of sight. Only rumors about my hips and thighs and my whispered sighs. So she's like, your new girl is my clone, but we were still kind of something. And to keep your feelings safe, I didn't have my side men photographed by paparazzi. I took them somewhere secret where no one could find us just out of respect for you. And that connects to the song, I Know Places, on 1989, where she goes, I know places we won't be found and they'll be chasing their tails trying to track us down. That was about her trying to keep certain relationships out of the public eye for Harry's sake. I never would have thought that, that she was like trying to spare someone's feelings by taking her other men to somewhere where no one could find them. Jeez, Harry Styles, she was doing all this for you, but you were talking to other girls? Other girls? And you know what that connects to? Style, when she says, I've heard you've been out and about with some other girl. Some other girl. He says, what you heard is true, but I can stop thinking about you and I. I said I'd been there too a few times. So clearly they're, like their relationship ends and then they date other people and then they come back together and then they date other people. And both of their songs are about how like they'll never end up together, but how dare you date other people when we both know this isn't going to work. Like they're not exclusive, but, but they're still holding out hope. And, and they're in that phase where they don't really want each other to be seeing other people, but they are. Because they go crashing down, but they come back every time. Because they never go out of style. Ugh. I feel like Christopher Columbus discovering all these things. Um, then in Is It Over Now, she says, I was hoping you'd be there and say the one thing I've been wanting you to, but no. Do you know the one word Taylor was wanting? Harry to say to her, stay, which that brings in the song. All you had to do was stay where she says over and over again, stay, stay. That was the one word she wanted Harry to say to him. And all you had to do was stay. She says, people like you always want back the love they gave away. And people like me want to believe you when you say you've changed. The more I think about it now, the less I know. All I know is that you drove us off the road. He figuratively and literally drove them off the road in the snowmobile, snowmobile accident. Then in Harry Styles' song, Meet Me in the Hallway, he sings, maybe we'll work it out. I got to get better. Got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better. He repeats that. In relationships, he has to get better. And maybe one day they'll work it out because he will change and he'll be able to commit to her. In the song, All You Have to Do Is Stay, she says, when you say you've changed, um, I want to believe you, but you probably didn't. Blah, 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 blah. And then just to wrap this all up in the song, is it over now? She says, was it over then? And is it over now? That's such a cute thing to like say though, because their relationship ended so many times and she was probably pretty sure when he has a new girlfriend, it was over then. But then him, she hears that him and his new girlfriend broke up 
And she's like, but is it over now? Can we get back together? Because you know what she says in style? They never go out of style. So they could come crashing down, but they'll always come back because they never go out of style. And I just think this paints a very clear picture of their relationship. And Taylor's such a songwriting genius and builds this like multiverse of madness of her songs that you collect over the years. And it completes a puzzle. And she's just so eloquent with telling us exactly how she felt in a relationship without telling us exactly how she felt. And I'm just so obsessed with her. She's truly the Shakespeare of our time. The number one songwriter and artist of our generation. And I could say that quite confidently. I just love her so much. Um, Fans are kind of like coming for Harry right now. Now that she's kind of said all these extra things about him, you know, maybe he kind of put her through some hell. He wasn't the best boyfriend. He may be like a shitty man to date sometimes, but it seems like Harry Styles is aware of that because in his song, boyfriend boyfriends, he reflects on how he's kind of been a bad boyfriend in the past and he could get better. Clearly the, Lines I said earlier where he repeats, I, I got to get better. It seems like he was self-aware of that. Hopefully now, many years later, he's changed. But do we hate Harry after all this was revealed? No, he's not getting the Jake Gyllenhaal treatment. He's not getting the John Mayer treatment. Honestly, this made him move up in my head in the Taylor Swift uh, boyfriend ranking. It, it just I love to learn more about them. I love that Taylor was kind of going through it, but also loved it at the same time. Like it seems like some some like masochistically and enjoyful, pleasant pain that she was putting herself through. And they just both to seem to have some level of fun in their relationship. And do I think he's a cheater? No, I, I think they were both just like young and they were never truly exclusive going back and forth, hoping it was going to work out. And then they realized it was not going to, but I don't think there was ever cheating. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think they had such chemistry that it was almost like explosive. Like having chemistry with someone could be good or bad. You know, like they they were like some sort of bond that they bonded so well that they like shake and shine and then erupt right after. Like they're 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 like a lighter that you can always ignite but will never stay lit. If that makes sense, like you could always choose to try to do it again, but the end product will always be the same. And they did talk at the Grammys last year. She was really happy for him when he won Album of the Year, which must have been so crazy because now we know about their history. It's like, whoa, Taylor was watching her ex that she's been through so much win Album of the Year right in front of her, even though she's won Album of the Year like three times. So she probably like didn't really like sweat that. But yeah, it just seems like Taylor was a little bit confused by him, their whole relationship, because even like retrospectively, she had all these questions for him. Why did you leave lead me on just to leave me in the night. Do you wish you could still be with me? Are we out of the woods yet? It just seems like he confused her and was kind of like this inconsistent boyfriend. And that got her very anxiously attached to him. But I do think the high was worth the pain for her. So that's why she kept going back and she would probably do it again. But what can we learn from this? I think we can learn from this like cycle of their relationship that always ends up in the same place. I think that we can learn for us, like our relationships with people, whether it be romantic or our friends or family or whatever, like if we choose to go back to it, no matter what we try different or if we try to force it or try to be someone else, the end result is always the same. And I love the quote in style when she says, 
and I should just tell you to leave because I know exactly where it leads. But I just keep watching us go round and round each time. Like, if, if you enjoy it, if the high is worth the pain for you, continue that. Sure. But just know it's always going to end up the same exact way. There's no changing the ending there. Well, thank you guys for joining me today here at Pop Culture University. Um, I am so happy I got to get all of that Taylor Swift and Harry Styles fandom off of my chest. It was like driving me crazy all week ever since 1989. Taylor's version came out and I'm just so thankful that you guys will like enjoy that as well and like to listen about it and hear about all the mess. So yeah, thank you for joining me. Um, if you're watching on the visual version, please like, please leave a comment. Helps the algorithm so much. Subscribe for more. Um, even if your comment is literally about nothing, I would appreciate it so much. Uh, Spotify, five stars. Apple Podcasts, five stars. And yeah, next week, there's a lot that I already want to get into, like the whole Eugenia Cooney mess. Now people think she's about to die. And I want to talk about Taylor Swift um, refuting the bisexual rumors next week. Maybe I'll do an episode before then. But yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to BravoCon in Las Vegas this week. So I'm very excited for that. I'll definitely be posting fun, exciting vlog footage. I have another fun vlog coming up this weekend. I went to like a party with Mike Posner and Black Bear for their album release. And it was at the craziest mansion ever. So look out for that vlog. They got married in like a fake wedding and just a whole bunch of shenanigans ensued. And yeah, for any updates about the podcast, follow my Instagram story. I post like very quick, snappy um, updates for you guys on there. Petty Pop Culture. Check out my TikTok, same at, and my YouTube if you are not there already. But until, but until next week, students, I love you all. Stay safe this Halloween and this weekend. And I will see you next week. Bye. Class is dismissed.